Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. And we're going to continue with this that we've been on continuing in the truth. And uh, Charles Capp said something a long time ago that I got a hold of. And he talked about people preaching on faith. And he made the statement, he said, there are a lot of people that teach and preach on faith. And he said, what they're saying is really good, but the way they say it just turns people off. And, uh, you know, I got a hold of that because he quoted the scripture from Proverbs that says, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. And uh, whenever I preach and teach before God's people, I always take the time to think about, now, how do I need to say this? Because, you know, in, 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 for, for instance, if, if you're preaching a salvation message, uh, well, you know, it's not always hellfire and brimstone. Uh, a lot of times it's the goodness of God. It's the mercy of God. Well, but it's not always the goodness of God and the mercy of God because there are at times people there that have rejected the mercy of God and the goodness of God, and they need to see if you don't change, you're going to go to hell. Right? But then there's people that they don't need to hear about hell. They need to hear about how good God is. So you're, you're, you're always asking the Holy Spirit to help you say things the way they need to be said. And so we're dealing with this continuing in the truth. And uh, it's really a uh, kind of a continuation of Wednesday night because I didn't, I didn't get into any of my notes Wednesday night. I don't know that we will this morning. Uh, but in 2 Timothy 3 and uh, verse 13, Paul is writing Timothy, who was, of course, the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And uh, he tells him, he says, well, let's start in verse 12. He says, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution or challenges. But evil men... And seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Notice the first part of verse 14. But continue thou, or you continue, in the things which you've learned. Continue in the truth. Now notice he says that evil men will wax worse and worse. The Greek says they'll go from bad to worse. It says deceiving and being deceived. It means leading astray and being led astray. All right? Paul says to Timothy, this is what's going to happen, but here's the thing. He says, you stay in the things that you have learned. The key to continuing is staying with what you've learned, staying with the truth. All right? Because being distracted is the opposite of continuing. All right? Distracted. All right, the prefix dis means to move away from. All right, when, when you look at distracted, it means to move away from traction, to quit making progress. All right, well, whatever area that I'm making progress in, at some point the enemy's going to try to distract me. 
All right, whatever it may be. If you're believing God for a, a victory in some area, the enemy's going to do what he can to try to distract you. All right? But the key is, according to the Apostle Paul, is to continue in the truth. And the enemy will always try to distract you with things you can't change. There are things you can't change. Amen. I mean, I can pray about it, and, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I mean, I can pray about it. If I'm praying for somebody to be saved or somebody to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I can pray and God can set things up and set events in motion and provide witnesses and send laborers into that person's path, but they still have a will and they still have a choice. I can't change their will but I can present them with opportunities. So that's why the Bible says it's vain for you to sit up all night and worry because if the Lord doesn't do it, you're laboring in vain. Amen. Is, is that right? And so he goes on and says, I continue in the truth. So what I have to be focused on is what God has said. And that is number one in his word, and then what has he said to you? You've got to stay focused on that. Paul wrote Timothy one time, and he said, Timothy, here's how you're going to wage your good warfare. He said, the prophecies that have went before concerning you, he said, take those and wage your good warfare with them. Because what God has said to you under the unction of the Holy Spirit is nonetheless God's word. It's not the word of God in written form, but it's still what God said about you. And he said, I can take that and wage a good warfare. Hallelujah. That's what we're occupied with. When Jesus was 12 and he was in the temple and his family had ran off and left him and they came back and found him, he said to them, he said, how is it that you didn't know that I would be in my father's house occupied with his business? Occupied with his business. So that is what we're to be occupied and he says, no matter what's going on, stay with the things you've learned. Amen. I've had people ask me a number of different times about, you know, the, the, the things the world's facing. Well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Here's my pat answer. In case you ever ask me that, here's my pat answer. It doesn't change what I've got to do. It doesn't change what God's asked me to do. Right? In, in the church or living by faith, it doesn't change it. Amen. And so, let's go over to the book of Isaiah. Because we, we want to deal with some things today. And uh, I'm going to take my time. And if we get through, we get through. If we don't, well, we'll be together again. <laughs> Hallelujah. But if you're believing with me, we'll get out what we need to get out. Isaiah chapter 8. And... Uh, the Lord has had me going down this road of revelation concerning fear. And something that has come up to me over and over again is it's not necessarily just enough to tell people not to fear or not to be afraid. Uh, because, of course, when you're ministering that in whatever season, I remember when the Lord gave me the, the uh, revelation that eventually became the book, Fear Free Living, that was, that was during uh, uh, the 9-11 situation when, when, when that event occurred. And, and we were really combating fear. Uh, but, you know, when you're dealing with the subject of fear, uh, very often 
we can just think of one thing. That I'm just I'm dealing with fear. Not fear of X or fear of this. I'm, I'm talking about fear, period. All right? Because fear takes on any number of forms. Uh, uh, intense grief is rooted in fear. Anxiety is rooted in fear. Depression is, is rooted in fear. Amen. And overwhelmingness is rooted in fear. When... Uh, when uh, Pastor Nancy, and she's taught on this publicly and, and even on our television broadcast and wrote a book about it. When uh, some months, maybe years, before Dr. Dufresne went home to be with the Lord, the Lord was dealing with her about always maintaining peace. Not allowing herself to be moved out of a place of peace. And she said when she was at home that day that, that his plane crashed and her kids were coming up, and she said, I could, I could tell by the way they were looking and acting, something was wrong. And I asked them, what's wrong? And they said, well, you know, Dad's plane has went down. And she said she immediately looked at him and said, don't you let yourself go over there and start carrying the care of this because I don't have the time to pull you out of it. Now, people say, but that was harsh. You know, her husband's plane had went down. But for years previously, the Lord had been telling her, don't let anything move you out of a place of peace. When the enemy can move you out of that place of peace and rest, he makes it harder for God to bring to you what God's trying to bring to you because you've got to pull yourself out of that place of fear. You understand? You've got to pull yourself out. And it takes time to do that. And, and when, they, when they had the memorial service, and the memorial service was broadcast, when they had the memorial service, I've talked to preachers, preachers that personally were there, preachers that I was personally in meetings with, and they were so upset over the fact that there was not a lot of mourning going on. Pastor Nancy didn't even speak at the service. Now, I'm, I'm sharing this with you for a reason. The enemy will try to get you distracted and get you over into something that then you got to expend spiritual energy to get yourself out of. Right? And if I would have just stayed out of it, I would have never had to expend that energy. Your job, where any fear is concerned, don't let it in. Don't borrow it. Don't let it in your life. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 12, notice what it says. He's speaking to the people of Israel, and he says, Say not a confederacy, to all them this people shall say a confederacy. Notice, neither fear their fear, nor be afraid. Don't fear their fear or be afraid. One translation says, don't panic as so many of your neighbors are doing. The Passion Translation says, don't believe their every conspiracy rumor. And don't fear what they fear. Don't be moved or terrified. The Amplified Bible says, don't call a conspiracy or hard or holy all that this people will call conspiracy or hard or holy. Neither be in fear of what they fear, nor make others afraid or in dread. So notice, he says a couple things. He says, first of all, don't believe their every theory. 
And second of all, don't fear what they fear. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Now, why is that important? Because fear begets fear. If you start fearing one thing, you're going to fear the other thing. If you start fearing that, you're going to fear this. Amen. And he says the key to this is don't fear what they fear. Hallelujah. As believers, we can't allow ourselves to be moved by the things that move the world. And that sounds like a simple statement, but the the world is moved by speculation. The world is moved by what might happen. Right? The world is moved by any number of different things. Well, the Scripture says that my job is to not do that. Amen. So notice, don't believe their every conspiracy theory or conspiracy rumor. Hallelujah. And again, I'm not just talking about what's going on in the world. I mean, you don't believe what the world is saying. Amen. And don't fear what they fear. Now, how is this possible? Well, we'll get into it, but I want to build this foundation for you. We're to continue in the truth and only be moved by the truth. Right? In order to focus on what might happen, I have to take my eyes off the truth. When, when, When Peter and the disciples were in the boat... The Bible says, yes, that the storm was there, and they were rowing hard to bring it to the, to the shore. But it says Jesus came walking on the water, and that he would have passed them up. Right? But they cried out in fear and thought it's a spirit. And Jesus said, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. Well, then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on, on the water. Well, here's something to understand is that Peter, Jesus never asked Peter to get out of the boat. That's how it's preached sometimes. Well, you know, Peter was the only one with faith. You can't find that in that scripture. Peter asked Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Well, what's Jesus going to say? It's not me. Pay no attention to the man on the water. No. He said, come. I mean, it's me, so come. Well, Peter stepped out of the boat in the middle of a storm and was walking on the water. Was he walking on the water? The Bible says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Right? But then it uses a word. But when he saw, when he saw, was he walking on the water? Was he going to Jesus? But when he saw, when he started believing something other than the word. Amen. When challenges come into your life, what has changed? Nothing. You just have a challenge that you're dealing with. Nothing has changed. You are still what God says you are. You still have what God says you have. You still have the authority of the name of Jesus, the Word of God. Nothing's changed. 
Nothing's changed. The only thing that changed was Peter's perception of his circumstance. When he stepped out of the boat, the waves were rolling and the wind was blowing. Amen. But his focus was on Jesus. When he got his focus off of Jesus, he began to sink. Now, Jesus grabbed him, but what did he say when he grabbed him? How is it you have no faith? How is that? How is it that the circumstance robbed you of your belief so quickly? What's changed? Amen. Well, I'm believing God for my child, but they're just not acting like they're not acting right. Well, they weren't acting right when you started believing. What has changed? Nothing has changed. The Word's still working. Amen. Yeah, but you know, I had hands laid on me, and and that, that area doesn't feel like it's getting any better. Yeah, but that's not faith. Hands, faith says, hands were laid on me, I'm healed. Don't, don't be Naaman. Naaman got mad because he said, I thought surely he'd come out and put his hand over me and, and cleanse me of the leprosy. Faith receives as real fact what God said before you ever see the evidence of it in your natural self. Faith receives it as real fact. It is what God said regardless of what I see. In the middle of the storm, I'm going to stay on the water going to Jesus because it's safer with Him in the storm than it is in the boat in the storm. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Because you'll start fearing what they fear. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he said, notice something else he said. He said, the Amplified Bible says, nor make others afraid or in dread. When I read that the other day, the Lord said, and he used this word, he said, fear begats fear. Fear produces fear. Amen. Right? When, when, when a person's afraid of something and they talk to somebody about how they're afraid, if the person they're talking to isn't putting their guard up, they'll start thinking about what that person's afraid of and they'll start getting afraid. That's why the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, faith words nourish. Faith words nourish. He said, there are people that are saying a lot of things, and here's why they're saying it, because all men don't have faith. If somebody's talking to you and they're talking fear, it's evidence they don't have faith. Because what's coming out of that person is is where they're at. In in any area, in any area, I've I've dealt with people before that were afraid to go to the doctor, afraid to get a report. Well, if I go, what if I go to the doctor and they give me a bad report? How does that change? Don't fear the bad report. There's nothing in the Bible that says you won't get one. It's not there. You might go to the doctor and they might give you a bad report. What are you going to do with the bad report? Don't be distracted. Continue in the truth. Are you healed because you got a good report or are you healed because God said you were healed? You're healed because God said. Not because you got a good report. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says that I will take all sickness from your midst 
all sickness. I'll take all sickness from your midst. What changes that? Nothing. Amen. Yeah, but this and yeah, but that. Now, doesn't change. That doesn't change it. Don't fear what they fear. Amen. Right? You know, before 2020, people were afraid of things. <laughs> right? They may not have been afraid of what they're afraid of today, but they were afraid of things then. Everything that can make you afraid still finds its end in what God said. There's nothing that what God has already said doesn't cover. Right? No evil will befall you. Yeah, but, no, no but, no evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. Right? Yeah, but, you know, this happened, and, and I know this, and this occurred even maybe to me. That doesn't change what the Word says. I need you to understand that. It doesn't change what the Word said. You, you just get back on the Word, or you just stay with the Word, and you just keep declaring what God said, because you don't want to start fearing what they fear. I've watched people over the years, they'll take a hit in their faith, and they'll back off. Don't you back off. If you take a hit to your faith, and there's a symptom in your body, or a symptom in your life, or a symptom in your family, you get the shield of faith up and you start swinging even harder. Why? Because it doesn't change what God said. Doesn't change it. Amen. Am I helping you? Because the enemy works on theories and speculation. Speculation. Well, this could happen. Well, if that could happen, then there's a 50% chance it won't. If it could, right, the law of reciprocals is it won't. Amen. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not preaching on numbers, I'm not preaching, but I need to say this. Here, here's what, what people will begin to see. Oh, well, the numbers have spiked. How does that change? I'll take all sickness from you. Y'all with me this morning? And I'm not telling anybody not to be cautious or that's not what I'm saying. I hope that's not what you're hearing. But what I'm saying is how does that change anything? Pastor preached a message. Many of y'all remember the message, No More Limits. Some of y'all were in the church when he preached it. He ministered a part of that one time. And one day I was, I was running. I was out running right after we'd moved into our house. And I was out running, and, and we moved into our house April 21st. So you can readily see this was about 30 days into the world's pandemic. Yeah. Right? And I'm running. And I'm praying, Lord, you know what do I minister on? Because we were doing everything live stream then. And, and like I said to you before, I don't want anybody to feel uh, 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 put upon. I don't, I don't want anybody to feel like I'm, you know. And the Lord began to talk to me. And I heard my pastor's voice. He was preaching in that series, No More Limits. He said... Every day, your body and your immune system comes in contact with enough germs and diseases and viruses to kill you on any given day. But the antibodies and the immune system in your body is so amazingly created by God. Yeah. 
that it just rises up and puts that stuff out of your body and you didn't even know you came in contact with it. Man, it was already settled, but that really sealed the deal for me. My immune system is a God computer and it knows what to do. And even if you face a challenge, even if you face what the world's facing, and even if it tries to come on you, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, your body knows what to do. The Word of God will not fail you, and you stay with what God said. Amen. Well, what if I go to the doctor and they say, listen, they may say it. You may get the report. That doesn't change what you are. Doesn't change it. Hallelujah. That's that's the stand you have to take. Because people in the world are moved by numbers. They're moved by speculation. They're moved by theory. Mm. Look at Deuteronomy 20. I, I, I hope you're receiving this in the spirit that I want it to come out in. I, I told somebody one time, because this, this is my mindset, I'm healed regardless. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. There, there, there have been times the flu's tried to come on my body. And, and I would wake up just sick. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Just, you know, sick as a dog. You say, what's that mean? Well, where I come from means sick big. <laughs> you know, Sick. And people say, what would you do? I had a guy ask me, what do you do? If I can't do anything but get my feet on the floor and stand up and say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And I might fall back in bed and pass out. But I made my declaration, I'm healed. Amen. Amen. Folks, you're not healed because you don't take medicine. You're not healed. Not taking medicine doesn't prove you believe you're healed. Proof that you believe you're healed is you keep your confession right no matter what you're doing. You might have to take a pill today and declare in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. I'm whole in Jesus' name. I'm not giving in to this. Hallelujah. But you're still well. Yeah, well, what do people think? What do you care? I mean, really, what do you care? I don't care. My body is not their body. My family is not their family. Amen. Amen. You do what you believe you need to do, but you do it in faith. You do it with the understanding that I have a greater protection in my life than any natural thing that I can do. Am I helping anybody? Deuteronomy 20 and verse 8. Now, if you look at the heading in your Bible, this is... Laws and ordinances, and it's the laws of war. The laws of war. And notice what he says, verse 8. And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house. Why? Lest his brother's heart faint as well as his heart. Remember Isaiah said, Don't make others afraid. Amen. One translation says of this, and the officer will speak to the people and say, what man is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him return to his house, lest because of him his brother's mind and heart faint 
as does his own. Fear produces fear. Parents teach children to fear what they fear. Amen. I've known people over the years that taught their children to be afraid of poverty, afraid they're not going to make it, or, or afraid of whatever. Or, or how about this? Well, cancer runs in our family. Heart disease runs in our family. Hallelujah. There's a little girl. Well, she's not a little girl anymore. She's a, 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 a grown woman now. I mean, uh, uh, that's how long we've been pastoring. But uh, when she was born, Ivy Pennington in uh, uh, the Kansas location, when she was born, the very first thing the doctor said, they, they, they saw some abnormalities and some things, and they said, well, she has sickle cell anemia, and because that runs, watch, in our race, yeah. right? It's prevalent in African-American culture, right? Mm-hmm. Not in yours. That's right. Not mine. But the medical science says it's prevalent. They said there's nothing we can do about it. Well, her mom and dad said, oh, yes, there is. Right? And they brought that child to, to church and we prayed for her. Now, I'm just saying that's what they did. I'm not putting me up there. I'm just saying we prayed for her. And they took her back to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, they said, uh, I don't know. we don't understand, but it's not there. <laughs> and, and she says, she, she said one time, I love being able to do this. She said, because every year... At, at the high school, they would go over their immunizations and, and different things. And the nurse would say, oh, I see that you were diagnosed with sickle cell when you were born. She said, and I love being able to look and say, yeah, but I don't have it. Yeah. It's there. There's evidence that I had it. But look now, and I don't have it. Right. Amen. So the world can say, you have this, but I'm still not going to be afraid of what they're afraid of, and I'm not going to let them make me afraid with their fear. Am I helping you? Oh, glory. Do you see this? So if you're afraid, you make others afraid. See, it does no good to say, don't fear, if you don't tell people how not to. Right? Amen. Oh, Lord. You're believing with me, right? Oh, thank you, Lord. Look at 2 Kings 19. There's so much. I was up this morning early, and and the Lord was was, uh, adding to. Thank you, Lord. And, 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 and that's something that, that I keep coming back to. Uh, you know, our daughter, our oldest daughter, when she was uh, maybe a junior in high school, I guess, uh, Pastor Michelle and I were at a conference in Birmingham, Alabama, and we got up that Friday morning, and we just really felt led of the Lord to, to intercede and pray in the Holy Spirit. And we didn't know exactly what we were praying about, but we knew we were praying for a family member. And uh, we just kept praying and praying. We probably, probably, oh my goodness, four hours, four or five hours, we just prayed and and, and prayed in the Holy Ghost. Now, not just on our knees, but, you know, as we 
went where we needed to go. We just made, uh, kept that spirit of prayer. And uh, along in the afternoon at some point, we just got a release. We got a, a, a real velvety sensation in our spirit. We knew we'd, we'd, we'd done what we needed to do. Well, we got home from church that night, and uh, uh, our daughter, long story short, we got a call from the hospital. Our daughter had been in an accident with three of her other friends. They'd pulled out in, in front of an asphalt truck, and uh, that asphalt truck had just destroyed the car. Uh, but all of them came out of it with minor injuries. Even though they, now we hear stories like this, even though the people that were there said it was impossible for it to happen, it's, it happened anyway. I think one of the girls had stitches in her knee and, and, and my daughter had a bump on her head. I still remind her of that sometimes that maybe that's the problem. But anyway, <laughs> the, 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 the issue, is, the issue is, is this. You know, there have been people over the years, well, why wasn't the accident completely stopped? I don't care. They walked away. Remember what it says? A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it's not going to come near you. So yeah, the truck impacted, the truck made a mess, but they all walked away. (laughs) Right? Don't let the fear of what could happen Stop you from taking a stand of faith. Because speculation won't get you very far. Amen? 1 Kings, or 2 Kings 18, and uh, verse 26. Now this is, of course, when Hezekiah was surrounded by the Assyrians, and I want you to see something. It says, then said that the, the, the enemy has come and they're talking, and, and you, for the sake of time, I, I can't go through it all, but uh, 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 they were saying, you know, uh, don't let Hezekiah convince you to trust in God and these different things. And notice verse 26, then said Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah, and Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, to your servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and talk not with us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. Now notice, why? They knew how fear is produced. With words. They weren't the only one that knew how fear was produced. Because notice, verse 28. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word. Hear. Notice that. Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He'll not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Don't let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. And this city will not be delivered into the hand of the king of Syria. Do not hearken to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, come out to me, and then eat every man of his own vine, drink every one of his own fig tree, and drink every one of the waters of his cistern. Notice what he's saying. Hear the fear. You can't be delivered. Don't listen to what he's saying. God's not going to deliver you. And notice he's saying it in their own language. You you may not hear that in that exact terms, 
But you hear it in the world all the time. You were hearing it before this year, and you'll hear it after this year. Oh, them faith people talking all that stuff. You really believe that's going to happen? This is what's happening. Right? Amen. Now notice. Oh, glory. Look at chapter 19 and verse 6. They brought this to Hezekiah, and then Hezekiah brought it to Isaiah. Verse 6. And Isaiah said to them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that you've heard. Is that what it says? With which the king of Syria has blasphemed me. I will send a blast, and he will hear a rumor, and return to his own land, and I'll cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Mm. Verse 10. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not your God, this is the enemy, in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem will not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. And, and he goes into all that you've heard about other kings. But here's the point. Notice what the Lord said. Don't be afraid of what you've heard. And then the enemy said, Don't be deceived and trust in God. God said, Don't be afraid of what you heard. So, so, so how does the enemy try to get fear? By what you hear, by what is said by what you see, by what can be perceived. Amen. And I'm not telling you just to take a flippant attitude about different things. Well, I don't have to worry about that. Bless. That's not what I'm saying. That's not faith. That can be false bravado. All right? I'm saying you've heard what God said. Now, don't be afraid of what else may be said. Because this is what God said. I was talking to somebody the other day. I went to pick up my cleaning just yesterday. And, uh, and, and I walked in, and, and I was talking to the lady, and, and, uh, and she was really upbeat. And so I, I started talking to her. I said, well, I said, you got you to gotta focus on the beautiful day and, 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 and stay positive. She said, oh, yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. And I said, well, yes, like I say, you know, one day closer to normal. I don't know if we'll ever get there. Well, now, wait a minute. Why won't we? Amen. Now I'm just going to use something out of the uh, just out of the news, just something out of the news, just for you to see. Many months ago, it was the whole thing was they're not working hard enough to get a vaccine. They're not working hard enough to do this, and that's what we need, and that's what we need, and now the. The, the contract has been filed with the FDA from Pfizer, right, yeah. to get the, the, the right to go ahead and start putting this out there, right? And now the pundits are making light of that because that will deliver people of fear. Not, not us. We don't have our faith in a vaccine. We have our faith in God. But the point that I'm making is look how the world switches. If we get a vaccine, everything will be okay. Well, yeah, now we got a vaccine, but. 
Fear always morphs. It twists. It never stays the same. If the devil and the world start seeing that you're not afraid of something anymore, they got to come up with something worse to make you afraid again. That, that's what he's saying. The Lord said, don't be afraid of what you've heard. Don't trust in the Lord. He's deceiving you. Look at all the kings that trusted in their gods. And they, they didn't make it. Yeah, but he's dealing with the God. Not a God, the God. Amen. Oh, glory. Do you see this? So don't be afraid of the words. The enemy talks to produce fear. And notice, if you, if you look back at uh, 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 chapter 18 and verse 31... He hearken not to Hezekiah, make an agreement with me. The enemy talks to produce fear, and the next step is compromise. Then you're going to have to compromise something. When you start believing what he's saying, your next step is you got to compromise. you got to back off of something that you believe. Amen, me either. Amen. I was talking to somebody one time, and they said, well, what if God, what if God don't come through? What if it, you know, what if my stand of faith, what if it doesn't happen that way? Then with your last breath, you say, I believe God. I believe God. Yeah, but, well, you know, I'm believing I'm not going to get laid off. What if I do? You take your final paycheck and say, I believe God. Right? Because, because you're always in a stand of faith. I would like the stand of faith to always be easy and trouble-free and challenge-free. But unfortunately, it's not. But we always win. Always causes us to triumph. Look at 2 Thessalonians 1. Oh, this is, this is important. Am I helping you? See, refusing to be moved, it, it involves this, this peace. It, it involves having peace. I've told my wife more than once over the years, I don't care what the world's doing, it's not affecting us. It's not affecting my peace. I like my bubble. Amen. And I've had people tell me that, oh, you're, you're just living in your little bubble. Mm-hmm. And it's good over in here. You ought to come join me. I told the people last night, your house is the safest place in your neighborhood. Amen. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Actually, chapter 2. I'm sorry. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. Notice this. That you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit or by word or by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Don't be frightened. Don't be alarmed. By what? Their letters or their words. So there was a group of people that were writing in Paul's name and sending out letters and saying, 
the day of the Lord has come. You're going through all this trouble. It's because the, the Lord has come, and it's the day of the Lord. And Paul said, no, don't be worried about that. Don't be shaken by that. Right? See, see, see it's important. What, what did God say? You know, we're going to go there eventually in this series. But, you know, Matthew 24 tells us that life will get back to normal. It says before the coming of the Lord, the, sec- the physical second return of Jesus. Right? You know, that's after the rapture of the church. Right? That's, that's after the tribulation. And it said, the Bible says, in that day, there'll be marrying, giving in marriage, eating, drinking. Just, it says, just like the day before Noah went into the ark. What, what's that mean? Life's going to be back to normal. Hallelujah. Now notice this. So don't be deceived. Don't be caught off guard. Hallelujah. Notice in Numbers 13. This again is a familiar scripture. But I saw something today that I'll share with you. Maybe I never thought of it in this light. Maybe you have. If so, you can be thankful the Lord showed me. Numbers 13. And of course, we know this is when the 12 spies went in to spy out the land. They came back. And it's important to remember what they came back with. They came back with evidence that the land was what God said it was. And uh, it says... They told him, verse 27, and said, We came into the land that you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Wow. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled, very great. We saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Whew, my Lord. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We're not able to go against the people. They're stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land that we've gone to search it, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said, Would God we died in the land of Egypt, or would God we died in the wilderness? Ten men caused millions to get into fear. Ten. Ten men. Caused the entire congregation to say, let's make us a captain and go back to Egypt. You can borrow fear. You can borrow fear. They borrowed fear. 
Hallelujah. Listen, millions of people wept all night because of one report. And here's the thing. They had the evidence. Right? If God's ever healed you, you have evidence. If God's ever brought you out, you have evidence. God hasn't changed. Right? What do I have to do? The same thing I did before. Amen. And, 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 and Caleb was saying, it's all going to be okay. Look, we can do this. Amen. That, that's a pastor. Hey, it's all going to be okay. You're going to come through this. You're going to come out on the other side victorious. If you face a challenge, you're going to face it and overcome it. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm declaring you're safe. I'm declaring you're well. I'm declaring you're whole. I'm declaring that you have the victory. There's not a day of the world that goes by that Pastor Michelle and I are not saying over you, no plague comes near your dwelling. You are victorious in every area. Well, what if it comes knocking at my door? If it does and it tries to sneak in, don't worry about it. Put it back out. Glory be to God. Am I helping you? Don't be afraid of their words. Now notice something. Chapter 14. Hallelujah. Verse 7. Caleb and Joshua are talking to the people. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel and said, The land that we've searched through is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us. Now there's something to ask. Does the Lord delight in you? Yes. Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 that through the sacrifice of Jesus, God was satisfied. God was pleased. So the Lord said out loud, the Lord takes delight in me. Hallelujah. Now I'm getting, I'm getting to, 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 my, to my antidote. All right. If the Lord delight in us, he'll bring us into this land and give it us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Now remember, the promised land is not a type of heaven. It's a type of redemption. All right? And he says, if the Lord delight in us, he'll bring us into this land. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. Why? They are bred for us. We're going to eat them up. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, what, what, what if this comes to my house? You're going to eat it up. Amen. Amen. Notice, their defense is departed from them. Did they see the size of the people, the walls? Yes, they saw it all, but they saw something else. They don't have any spirit left in them. They're more afraid of us than we are of them. If, if you read through the book of Joshua, when they sent the two spies into, into, into Jericho, remember what Rahab said? She said, the moment we heard that y'all had crossed over Jordan, our hearts melted. 
And the two spies came back and met with Joshua and said, don't worry about it. The people are, the people are defenseless. They don't have any heart left in them. And then the next chapter says, when the kings of the Amorites, all the people listed in this verse. Now this is, this is before Moses, this is, this is after Moses had died and the people who went over the Jordan. But these were the same kings that were in place when Moses was in power, when he was leading the people. It says when they heard that the children of Israel had crossed over Jordan, their hearts melted. Amen. Amen. See, that's how you got to think about it. Cancer is afraid of you. The flu is afraid of you. COVID is afraid of you. Amen. There are people you know and I know that dealt with it. Did it go? Did it leave? Why did it have to leave? Because you told it to leave. Amen. Hallelujah. Say out loud. It left. Say it again. It left. And if you haven't dealt with it, you say it's not coming. It's not coming. Amen. Now, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about all fear. I I will not suffer economically. I I will not suffer in my life. I won't. Why? Because I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed from that. Poverty has lost its heart when it concerns me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Poverty has no power over me. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. Their defense is departed from them. Notice, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Why is that important that we notice that he said that? Because if the Lord is with us, he's not with them. Look at your neighbor and tell him, the Lord is with us. Tell him again, say, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Yeah, but this and that. No, let me tell you. In spite of this and that, the Lord is with us. So their defense is departed from them. I said their defense is departed from them. Oh, glory. Amen. And we won't take the time to read all of it, but... That group eventually tried to start thinking right, but it's too late. Why? Because notice what the Lord said in verse 22. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles. Now stop right there. I I said this earlier. Did God ever do it for you before? He'll do it again. Everything that God has ever done for you is a building block of faith that he'll do it again. Has he ever kept you? Then he'll still keep you. Is the Lord your keeper? Did he used to be your keeper or is he your keeper? The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my rock. And when trouble comes, I run into the rock that's higher than I am. 
Now what does He do? He keeps me. He preserves me. He keeps all of my bones. None of them are broken. My life is not affected by destruction. I'm kept by the power of God. That's what Peter said. He said, I'm writing this to those that are kept by the power of God. In 2020, you're kept. In 2021, you're kept. Tomorrow, you're kept. Wednesday, you're kept. Today, you're kept. This month, you're kept. You're kept by the power of God. Glory be to Jesus. I believe God. He said, Glory to God. Oh, glory. Glory. Kept. I'm kept. I'm kept. Oh, glory. Do you see that? And he said that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness. Notice, and they've tempted me these ten times. And have not hearkened to my voice. Well, what was his voice? I'm going to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to drive your enemies out from before you. Nobody will be able to stand before you. Right? Don't fear what they fear. This sounds simple. There is nothing stronger than the name of Jesus. And I, th- I, think, I think the Bible still says that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It said He's been given a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. So if it has a name, it's subject to the name. Is that right? That's just where it's at. So right now, the name of Jesus is working in you. Right now, when the Bible talks about the name of our God being a fortress... In the New Testament, that's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the same as the name of God in the Old Testament. It's my rock, my fortress, my high tower, my place of refuge. And when you say, in the name of Jesus, no evil will befall me, and no plague will come near my dwelling, you are now in the secret place of the Most High God, protected and kept. Amen. And I'm not going to not pay attention to what he did. Do do, do, do you see this? But verse 24. But my servant Caleb. Because he had another spirit with him. And followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land. Whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Right? Notice, because he followed me fully. Right? And notice what Joshua said. He said, if the Lord delights in us. Well, he did. He said about Israel, he said, you'll be a delightsome land. Right? Now, why is this important? Go to Romans 5. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Yeah, I thank the Lord it's, it's a little early yet. Because <laughs> we got to get into the antidote. I told, I, I, I told the church last night, the world's waiting on a vaccine. I've already been vaccinated. I've already been inoculated. 2,000 years ago, I got a vaccine. Amen. Hallelujah. Didn't you? You know, Bro- Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, if every symptom left your body today and you felt in your body that you were completely healed, he said, you didn't get healed today. You got healed 2,000 years ago when Jesus paid the price. Amen? Hallelujah. You're healed and staying healed. Amen. Say it out loud. I'm healed and staying healed. I'm looking at people that are a testimony of God's goodness. A testimony that God did what He said He would do. Don't, don't, don't ever let the devil try to make you feel bad because you faced a challenge. You overcame. You got the victory. God healed you. God brought you out. You are proof positive that the devil cannot do whatever he wants to do. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't happen. Romans 5 and verse 5. Well, let's start in verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Trouble. Notice it says in them, not because of them or not for them. In the middle of your trouble, you're glorying in somebody. Right? When I was a kid growing up in church, we used to sing the song, I will glory in the cross, lest his suffering should all be in vain. I'll weep no more for the cross that he bore, but I will glory in the cross. Amen. Amen. So in the middle of your pressure and your trouble, you're glorying in the victory that Jesus brought. Amen. And he says, knowing what? Knowing that... Tribulation works patience. You know, the Bible says that we are followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. Right? Abraham Abraham only had to stand for 25 years. Patience. Right? Now here's my point. Tribulation works patience. Right? And patience experience. Now, there, there's a key, right? Because if you're patient enough, you'll see God do a lot of things. And you'll get an experience born of the working of faith. And you can tell people, look, let, I know what you're going through, but let me tell you something. Five years ago, I was dealing with that very same thing, and God brought me out. So my experience, based on the Word, tells me God's going to bring you out. Oh, glory. Oh, you need to go home today and look yourself in the mirror and say, I don't care what you're going through. God brought me out six months ago. God brought me out last year. God's going to bring me out today. Isn't he though? And experience works hope. Experience gives you a picture. Experience gives you a viewpoint. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you understand that? 
You know, if, if, if you have given birth to more than one child, right? Uh, the first one, you didn't know what was going on. I mean, you knew, but you didn't know. Right? The second one, when you felt that little twinge, you're like, hmm, something going on here. Right? And if you had third or fourth or fifth, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you know how much time you have. Based on what? Experience. Now I got a picture. <laughs> I'm looking at you healed and whole. It doesn't matter what comes. You got a picture. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm well. I'm strong. I'm preserved. That's how it's going to be. Now, now why? He says, why? Hope doesn't make a shame. In other words, you will never come to a place of shame hoping in God. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. The Woosh Bible says that the, whole, the, the, the love of God has been placed into our hearts by the Holy Ghost and still floods them. In other words, I have access to this love of God on a continual, consistent basis. Remember, Joshua said, if the Lord delights in us, the antidote to fear is love. If you know how much God loves you, it'll drive fear out. I'll use this example again. I've used it over the last few messages. When, when our pastors were in the accident that they were in and, and, and Miss Jeannie's back was broken, she made the statement. She said, I'm not going to be paralyzed because I love God and He loves me too much. Is that right? Notice what her focus was. God loves me too much to let me stay this way. See, when, the, when you realize the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart, that's the first thing that comes up. When, when fear tries to come, the realization of how much God loves you shows up. God's not going to let me die. God's not going to let me go through this. God's not going to let me suffer with that. He loves me too much. Do you, do you see the illustration? When Jesus came into Bethany where Lazarus was, and, and the Jews mis, mis, misunderstood this, because Jesus came and he told Mary and Martha, he, you know, he, he showed up and both of them said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus told both of them, he's going to live again. And they said, well, I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. And it says Jesus groaned. In, in the Greek, it means he was exasperated. It's a groan of frustration. It wasn't, oh, it was, oh. I'm telling you, he's going to live again. But, but here's the thing. It says he wept. Now think about this for a moment. I've heard preachers of renown say, oh, he loved Lazarus so much. He was weeping at the tomb of his friend. Why would he be weeping over a man he's about to raise from the dead? He said he knew what he was going to do. And it says the Jews said, oh, behold, how he loved him. Well, they didn't know why he was weeping. But notice why they thought. Jesus was known as a man of love. 
And he was there because he loved him. But what did he do to the man he loved? Raised him from the dead. Does God love you? Then whatever you're dealing with, God's going to bring you out of it. Amen. Does God love you? Then whatever you could face, it's not going to overcome you because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart and I believe how much God loves me. Look at 1 John 4. See, the opposite of fear is love. And people say, well, the opposite of love is, is hate. Hate is rooted in fear. You hate what you fear and you fear what you hate. The Bible, instead of calling hate and love, although they are opposite, it emphasizes love and fear. If a person's prejudiced, it's because they're afraid of the other person. If a white person doesn't like a black person or prejudice against them or, or, or whatever, the, it can be the reverse. It's because there's, that's rooted in fear. What solves that problem? Why don't we have a problem in our churches with race? Because we're walking in the love of God. And it's not just that I don't see black or white. I'm looking around here and some of y'all black. I can't, I can't avoid that. You just are. And some of y'all are white, really white. Got a few vanillas and a few cream colors, but you, you understand? The point is, is you can't avoid that. You can't, you can't look past that. If you look at someone and they're Hispanic, they're Hispanic. That's what they are, or Middle Eastern or black or white or Arkansan or Kansan or Texan or whatever. What changes the viewpoint? The love of God. Amen. First John 4. I'm almost done. Praise the Lord. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Now, now don't beat yourself up. Notice what it says. It says that perfect love. Well, what's the perfect love? Perfected love, mature love. People focus on that. Perfected love is the love that's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And what does it do? It turns fear out of doors. What do you have to do? Let the love of God rise up. How do I do that? God loves me too much to let that succeed in my life. Amen. Amen. Well, I got an appointment with the doctor. Well, go to that, go to that appointment, not only in faith, go in love. God loves me too much to let this prosper in my body. Amen. Hallelujah. First John 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God that overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in what? The love of God. The love of God. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Your faith in God's love. Your faith in God's Word. You've got to have as much faith in God's love as you do in His Word. If you don't have faith in God's love, you won't have faith in God's Word. Because you've got to believe that God loves you enough to keep His Word. Amen. I'll say it again. You've got to have enough faith that you've got to believe God loves you enough to keep His Word to you. When someone says, well, I just don't know, I just don't know if it's working or not, that, that's evidence that they're not sure of how much God loves them. Amen. That's not an indictment. I'm just saying. That, 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 that is evidence 
that there's a deeper issue. A child who knows their parent loves them would never question the intentions of their parent. Amen. Oh, Lily's got that down. Well, how you know it's going to happen? Because he's my daddy. Amen. She's confident of my love for her. Amen. Am I helping you? Notice now. Ha ha. Galatians 5. And we'll have two verses after this. Galatians 5. Now, very often when we talk about love and faith working by love, we focus on offense and not being offended. Well, folks, here's, here's the thing. If you're not confident of the love of God in you, you're going to have a hard time not being offended and not being upset by those certain things. When, when you're allowing the love of God to take the lead in your life, offense is not a thought. It's not an option because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And I have faith. I don't ever worry about being offended because I'm walking in love. But I'm not walk, I, don't have to, I don't have to try to walk in love just like I don't have to try to walk in faith. I have to exercise faith and exercise love, but I'm, I'm doing it. Amen? Whew. Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ... Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. Energized by love. One translation says, faith coming to effective expression through love. So for my faith to effectively express itself, it has to be done so through love. Now, what kind of love? The love that I believe God has for me. I will effectively express my faith in God by believing how much God loves me. Amen. God loves me too much for me to fail. Amen. Are you following me? God loves me too much. To let a plague come in my home. God loves me too much to not present my family with an opportunity to be born again. Is that, are you seeing that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, whew, Galatians 1 and 4. This is powerful. This is something I try to say over myself every day. Galatians 1 and We'll read 3 and 4. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. I say over my life every day, I'm delivered from this present evil world because it's the will of God. Amen. Amen. Well, notice, notice, notice who it's the will of, the Father. What do you have to have faith in? The love of God. Well, here's a faith-building scripture about the love of God. God loved you so much, He delivered you from this present evil world. If, if, listen, if I'm delivered from this present evil world, it has been deprived of ability to harm me. Right? Yeah, let me say this. 
The Bible says that Jesus considered sickness and disease the works of the devil. Right? Uh, 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 in, in the book of Luke, when he healed the woman in the synagogue, he said that, yes, he said she had a spirit of infirmity, but what did he tell the religious people? He said, ought not this woman, being the daughter of Abraham, be loose from her infirmity, in which Satan has kept her bound these 18 years? He said Satan kept her bound. Right? Uh, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power that went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Watch, because God was with him. So where was God while Jesus was healing all that were oppressed of the devil? With him. So God was part of healing. God had a hand in the healing. Right? Then 1 John says what? It says that Jesus Christ was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Well, he said sickness and disease was a work of the devil. And the Bible says Jesus was manifest to destroy it. Now, was he manifest? Did he come in the flesh? Did he live? Did he die on the cross? Was he buried? Did he raise again? Yes, then he destroyed the works of the devil. He didn't break them. He destroyed them. If something's broken, it can be repaired. But when it's destroyed, it can't be repaired. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah, no weapon that's formed against you by the enemy will prosper. It won't. Why? God loves me too much. Amen. That's your weapon. Now, one last scripture. Psalm 91. Hallelujah. I, I believe we've said what the Lord wants us to say. This is so important. Because I'll go back to this. The things that you can't control, you can't control. Now, here's what I mean by that. Decisions other people make. Uh, decisions the government makes. Decision that a state or a, a country makes. You can't do anything about that. I can make a decision right now, though, that I'm not going to let anything make me afraid because I'm going to stay in the love of God. Think about this. How many people know people that their main conversation is the what-ifs? Anybody know people like that? The main, thank you. The main conversation is the what-ifs. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And listen, in five minutes in the dry cleaners yesterday, I heard more unbelief in five minutes than I've heard all year. Now, it may be a slight exaggeration, but it was a lot. Well, I just hope they don't do this, and I hope they don't do that, and I hope they don't do this. Well, what would you say? Nothing. You don't cast your pearls before swine. Give me my clothes. Let me get out of here. Something smells bad in here. And it's unbelief. Amen. Well, what if they're watching? Well, now they know. But the point is, is this. Folks, Jesus told us tomorrow will have sufficient evil in and of itself without worrying about it today. 
Are, are you following me? What if tomorrow there's a worse report? What does it change? If it doesn't shake your belief in God's love, it doesn't change anything. Amen. I remember, I'll use 2008 for an example, and many of y'all remember this, when the economy just fell apart. I mean, it didn't just take a hit. It bottomed out. Right? And the Lord, the, the, the Lord had me dealing with our church about no fear in the time of famine. Amen. And I told the church, none of us are going to lose our jobs. We're not going to lose our homes. Matter of fact, we're going to get better jobs, and it's going to be easier to get homes. You say, what happened? Just what the Lord said. I had people coming up to me say, I got the biggest raise I've ever got. I got a better job than I've ever had. One man came up and said, we just bought a home. We never could have bought a home before now, and now we're, we're buying the home we want. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. So, we were dealing with issues then. In five years, you're going to deal with something. Next year, in the year of light and magnificent victory, you're going to deal with something. But you're going to overcome it. Look, I'm looking around at you today. There are prosperous people sitting under the sound of my voice. Healed well whole people sitting under the sound of my voice. There are neighbors and people that you know that have suffered, that have taken hits. But here you are, hidden in Christ. And that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Psalm 91. Oh, my Lord. And verse, what verse? Uh, uh, verse uh, 14. Because he hath set his love on me. One translation says, because he's anchored his love in me. Therefore, now notice, this is God speaking. There's three different people speaking in these verses. David, Jesus, and God. This is God speaking. Because he, he who? You. Substitute she if you are she. But because he hath anchored his love in me, therefore, because of his love that he's placed in me, I will deliver him. Mm. Now notice, if I'm delivered from something, it had some hold on me, but he said, because he believes how much I love him, I'll deliver him. And when I deliver him, here's what I'll do. I'll set him on high. I'll place him securely on high. Why? Because he's known my name. He has faith in my name. He has faith in how much I love him. To set on high carries this idea like you would put something valuable on a high shelf out of reach of a child. God says, because you know how much I love you, I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you up where the enemy can't reach you. See, the question then is to ask, do I believe God loves me that much? Yes, I do. Amen? Yes, I do. Do you? 
Say, say that out loud. I believe God loves me that much. Hallelujah. I was talking to a, a, a man the other day that I have great respect for, a minister. And I was talking to him on the phone. They called me the other night, and I was talking to him on the phone. And just over the phone, I could just hear the peace of God. Just sense the peace of God. And, and later that week, I, I went to their house uh, to take them something. And, and, and when I went, I, I went in the house, and, and it was just the peace of God. That doesn't just happen. You got to know, I'm set on high. Because I know how much he loves me. If I told you, you're not going to struggle. You're not going to fail. You're not going to be defeated. All you got to do is know that's what the Bible says. And God loves me enough to make that come to pass in my life. Hallelujah. None of us, as I'm closing, none of us can control what's said. I can control what I hear. And the Lord said to me, and I want to reiterate it to you. He said, don't be deceived. But he said, not only don't be deceived, don't listen to things that would deceive you. Folks, I'm imploring you. If you know the person that's talking is a liar, don't listen to them. God said, I'll be with you in trouble. I'll deliver you. I'll set you on high. So right now, You are on a place where you're looking down on the trouble. And you see what's going on in the world, but you're up, you're you're up where the air is bright and sweet. Amen. Don't allow the panic of the world to infect your life. We're gonna do what God said. And God's gonna do what He said. You believe that? Stand on your feet, would you? Hallelujah. And, and I, I say this just because I, I, I want to make sure that you know. Folks, I'm not telling anybody, I hope you don't ever hear this. I'm not telling you not to take precautions. I'm not telling you not to do certain things. It's not what I'm saying. A, 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 amen. I, I, I understand that, that, that faith and good sense go hand in hand. All right? But here's, here's something else I know. Don't ever allow your desire to have good sense move you over into dependence on the same thing the world's dependent on. I'm not dependent on a vaccine. Because I don't know how it's going to work. I am dependent on the Word of God. Are you? I know you are. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your Word today. Thank you that you have manifest yourself in our midst. And Lord, I just pray that the word that we spoke today, that it would be an anchor, that it would be a strong tower for those that heard, and that the victory of God will be manifest in their life. In the name of Jesus.